sometimes when I'm reading the, the Bible, the Gospel, or, or other Scripture passages, especially when, when there's like a prophecy of, of a promise that is to come, or when Jesus uh, gives a really direct sort of um, point like he, like he does uh, today, it'll catch my attention and actually like cause me to, to sort of stop and ask, ask the question like, wait a minute, are, are we sure about this? You know? so, so today, for example, uh, Jesus in our, our rather short gospel passage uh, talks about his sheep, how his sheep hear his voice, he knows them and they follow me, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And then he says this, no one can take them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. For me, I, I read this passage and, and it's, it's a little confusing to me. Why is it confusing? Well, look at the church. You're like, there was a day, not during my time, but there was a day when this church was full of people. And now, you know, it's like, we got a few over here, a few back there, you know, so it's, it's, there's this question in my mind of like, Jesus, are you sure about this? You know how many of us, probably all of us, have people in our families who were raised Catholic, baptized, confirmed, first Eucharist, brought to Mass on Sundays, and they don't go anymore. And so there's this question of like, Jesus, you say that no one can take them out of your hand, but it sure seems like they're not in your hand anymore. You know, if we believe this, right? If, if we believe, as, as Jesus teaches elsewhere in the Bible, if we believe that not everybody goes to heaven, then it seems like those even who have been baptized, some of those who have been baptized, who have now fallen away from the Lord and from his church, it seems like they've been taken out of the hand of Jesus, out of the hand of the Father. And so we gotta sort of, we gotta ask ourselves a question like, what, what gives? What, what's going on here? Is Jesus wrong about something that he's saying or is there, there more to the story? And, and hopefully, hopefully you can understand, right? Jesus, Jesus isn't wrong, he's God, and so he has perfect knowledge. And so maybe there's, there's actually more to the story uh, of what's going on here, and I think I think for me, what's, what's grabbing my attention uh, is, is this, of course, but some parts from our first uh, reading and from our second reading, for that matter. Uh, it's, and, and it's this, right? So we're t we talk about Jesus being the good shepherd, right? We talk about this. It's not, this Sunday isn't like officially Good Shepherd Sunday, like, like the second Sunday of Easter is officially Divine Mercy Sunday. Uh, or, or the, the Sunday after Christmas is Holy Family Sunday, right? So it's not an official sort of title for the day, but the gospel passages for all three years in our cycle focus around Jesus talking about himself being the good shepherd. So, uh, and it's a, it's a good image uh, to talk about. So what is, the question in my mind though is like, what does it mean to be a shepherd? What does it mean for Jesus to call himself the good shepherd? What, is it, what does it mean for someone who's not, you know, who's like a shepherd of sheep? You know, what, like, what does that mean? Uh, and I, I, I think about this. I think that many times when we think about Jesus being the good shepherd, we can, we can sometimes, or maybe many times, think of him as, as this, you know, really gentle and kind and patient shepherd, which, which he is those things. But the thing that caught my attention this week was, 
from our first reading where it talks about Paul and Barnabas. So Paul, of course, is, you know, the great apostle that was called by Jesus after he was persecuting the Christians. Jesus then interrupted his life, knocked him to the ground, and called him to be a super apostle, he refers to himself. Uh, and, and Barnabas, of course, along with that, right, is, is this, this other, uh, we could say, apostle who oftentimes accompanies Paul on his missionary journeys. So Paul is, right, he's, 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 his life has changed radically, and now he's doing everything he can to be like Jesus, so that a, a couple of times in his letters that he writes, he says to the people, to the communities, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In other words, he's saying, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to imitate Jesus as much as I can. And when you see me doing everything that I can to imitate Jesus, imitate me in return. So if Paul is, is imitating Jesus, and we call Jesus the good shepherd, among other titles that we give to him, or that he has uh, taken upon himself, or that the church applies, whatever. If, if, so Paul is imitating Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. That means we could say that Paul is something of a shepherd. Right, that Paul is a shepherd in the name of Jesus, not that he has this authority that he's taken upon himself, but that Jesus has given him the authority to be a shepherd in the name of Jesus. So that means that how Paul approaches people, how Paul speaks, we could say, this is how Jesus would shepherd people. So if we wanna know like, how does Jesus shepherd, of course we can just read the gospels, but then we can also look at the example of the other shepherds that he's appointed. And, and the thing for, for me this, this morning, Paul and Barnabas, right? They go into the synagogue. Uh, they, we skip a whole bunch. Uh, Paul preaches the gospel, a bunch of people. Uh, so verse 40, 43, it says that when, when they heard this, uh, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. So, so Paul comes in, he takes a seat at the synagogue, he's offered the opportunity to preach, he preaches the gospel about how Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything uh, in the Old Testament. The people hear it and they're just like, you gotta you got come back. You gotta come back and keep talking about this because this is so incredible. It's so incredible. And then what happens? It says many Jews and worshipers followed Paul and Barnabas, who then did what? Who spoke to them and urged them to remain faithful to the grace of God. That's what caught my attention this week, right? So maybe like a big buildup to this first thing. This is what caught my attention, is that they were urging them to remain faithful. You know, sometimes we can, we can read passages and it's like, okay, yeah, they did this. No, but like they urged, like what does it mean to urge somebody to do something? This is different than just simply offering some suggestions. Right? It's different than, than just sort of like, well, I'm here to give my advice. You know, like I, you know, I, was, I, was, I was away from Jesus and then you know, I, I realized that I should probably follow him and, and so that's what I want to recommend to you. No, instead it's like, no, like I'm urging you. Like, like this, and this is Paul and if you read his letters, you really can capture this. It's like, you gotta stay faithful to Jesus because I know, I know Paul is saying that there are so many things in the world and I know that there are even people who come to you claiming to be in the name of Jesus and they're teaching you a false gospel or these other things in life. They're, they're, they're like tempting you to stray from following Jesus Christ and, to, and from living the gospel. And so I like, but I'm here to tell you, I'm here to remind you about eternal life. And so like you just, you gotta stay faithful, right? This is the image that I have in my mind of Paul and Barnabas going around and just like constantly recognizing that there are people falling away and saying to them, no, you, 
you can't fall away. You got to come back. You got to come back to Jesus. You, in another place in uh, 2 Corinthians, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were appealing to you through us. We are ambassadors. God is appealing. He's, he's urging you, right? So it's, it's, it's that Jesus, right? It's not Paul coming up with his own ideas, but it's that he knows the gospel so well. He knows Jesus so well because he, because he spends time with him, because he, he's placed himself under Jesus's lordship. And so he's, he's like, so now, God, now Jesus can speak through me. And so it's like, you gotta stay faithful. You gotta. And I know that sometimes, sometimes people can, can hear this and just be like, okay, that's just too intense. It's, it's too much. I guess I would just invite you to like look out at the world and to consider, does it seem like when you sit down to watch TV, does it seem like the things you're watching, the commercials, the shows, the games, does it seem like those things are encouraging you to consider eternal life? When you're driving on the interstate and you see all the billboards along the side of the road, does it seem like those things are encouraging you to consider eternal life and fidelity to the gospel? No. So this is the thing, right? We go out into the world where the world is actually urging us to do the opposite. We're living in the world, right? And you guys more than I, right? I, I can easily, as a priest, I can easily surround myself with a nice bubble of people who want to who wanna live the gospel. But for you guys, right, you're, you're living in the world and, and the world that you go out into, it's not urging you to remain faithful to the grace of God, but instead it's urging you to do the exact opposite. Forget about God. All you got to do is care about your sport, care about your team, care about your show. Just binge a few more things on Netflix. Just embrace this pleasure or that comfort thing or, you know, fill yourself up with all this. Right? So like if this is the world that you're living in, the world that is straying further and further and further from the gospel, then you guys like, we, we got to hear this. We got to hear, like, we have to have a place where we can come, where we can be reminded that, like, this world isn't, like, this world is a tiny fraction of what your entire existence is going to be. And for that matter, then, when we hear this, right, we have to actually, like, we have to become witnesses to the gospel so that, so that when you go out into the world, you can do the same thing to people and you can remind them that this world is such a tiny fraction of our existence. And yet, how, how many times that tiny fraction can actually tempt us to stray from eternal life? So I think, I think this, is, this is getting back to, back to my question here. Right, I, I guess we kind of strayed from that. The question of like, what is Jesus talking about when he says that no one can take them out of my hands? The question is this, that, that we, right, Jesus is the good shepherd and we are his flock. But the thing is that we as, as the sheep of Jesus, we're not like other animals. We might, like, it, it might be true that no one can take us out of Jesus' hands, but it's also true that we ourselves can choose to take ourselves out of the hands of Jesus. Later on in our reading, our first reading, Paul and Barnabas, right? They, people are, are, are stirring up the people to, to reject the gospel. And so what does Paul say? He says, 
You reject it, right? It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and condemn yourselves as unworthy of eternal life, now we're going to turn to people who are ready to receive it. So the answer to this question is like, well, is Jesus right or is he wrong about this? No, he's absolutely right that once we're in the hands of Jesus, no one can take us out of his hands except ourselves, we could say. That we all have a decision to make and it's a free choice that we have to make, right? There's this this constant sort of like uh, tension, we could say, maybe a healthy kind of tension that the grace of God has to be active in our lives, right? That we have to receive God's grace. But then once we receive it, we then have to freely choose to remain faithful to it. That, that you and I have a free choice to remain faithful. And this is why the people have to be urged to remain faithful. Because we also have the free choice to become unfaithful. And that, sure, no one outside of me can take me out of the hands of Jesus. But I can choose to be unfaithful to him and so actually reject the word of God. And actually condemn myself to be unworthy to eternal life. And when that happens, right, when that happens, and I go to pray and I think, where's God's voice? I shouldn't expect to hear it because I've chosen a life that actually rejects the voice of God from speaking into my heart and into my mind. And so what happens then is is those who are are shepherds in the name of Jesus, right, they go and they, they find people that are willing to listen. And it says then the Gentiles were delighted when they heard this and they glorified the word of God. And all who were destined for eternal life came to believe. So I think I think this is maybe just the big the big question for us. The big question. Where do you fit in here? Where do you fit? Is there room in your life? And not just room, but like, do you delight in hearing the word of God? Is your life, like if someone was to look at your life, would someone say that your life glorifies the word of the Lord? Or... Are you someone who actually resists the word of the Lord? Are you, are you a sheep of the good shepherd, letting yourself be guided by him, saying to, saying to him, Jesus, I don't always know what to do, but I, I know where I can find out by reading your word and spending time in your care in prayer? Or am I a person that says, well, it's too hard for me, so I'm not, I'm not going to bother. I got... I'm too busy, so I, I can't take time to pray. Now, I know, I know this, right? Like that, that those who are faithful to coming to Sunday Mass, there's a better chance, right? That, that you're better, that you're, that you're more in line with, with hearing the Word of God. But at the same time, I do know this, that most Christians don't spend any time reading the Word of God. Most Christians don't spend any time, like, well, don't spend a significant chunk of time praying on a daily basis letting themselves be guided by the Lord. This is the thing, you guys. Jesus wants, he wants to save us, and he has saved us. But as long as you're living, you and I have a choice. And every day I wake up, and I have to make that choice for myself, just like every day you wake up, and you have to make that choice for yourself. 
And so I just, I, I wanna, I wanna, I, I don't want it to seem like I'm coming down on you because I don't actually know your personal lives. It could be that there are living saints among us. And, it, and if that's the case, please pray for the rest of us, please. But at the same time, I wanna, I wanna urge you with Paul and Barnabas, I wanna urge you with Jesus, the good shepherd, to remain faithful to the grace of God in every area of your life. And if you haven't been, confession is always available to you. The gift of reconciliation with the Lord God to be restored to his grace is always available to you. But in the meantime, let's, let's, let, ourselves, let's let ourselves be urged by the shepherds. Let's let ourselves be urged by the gospel to remain faithful so that, so that we can ultimately end up in this vision in the book of Revelation where, where the elders say to me, these are the ones who have survived the time of great distress. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb because the lamb who is at the center of the throne has shepherded them and has led them to springs of life-giving water. Let's be among those people together, right? Where we live in this world that's constantly barraging us and tempting us to stray from the gospel. As we have remained faithful to him, it's as though we recognize that we've survived, right? We survive the temptations. We survive the distress. We survive everything that's trying to pull us away because we've let ourselves be guided by Jesus, the good shepherd who wants to lead us to life-giving streams.